Welcome back to the Canatech podcast, a real treat today. We're back with Steve Guterman, the CEO of Falcon Brands. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. All right. Well, you were just saying off camera, you've got the, the life everybody wants you. A little bit of Southern Cal, a little bit of Denver, Colorado, the Rocky Mountains. Nice life. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's also, it's also good to be in two mature but different cannabis markets. It gives a nice perspective as to what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, one of my favorite sites that I track, and folks, if you've tracked my work, you know, I publish uh, once a year a, a piece on where to find the super influencers in our industry. And one of those sites, I like to find out, you know, what conferences you're going to, podcast, what are you reading? Uh, one that I bookmarked is New Cannabis Ventures. Um, amazing uh, reporting. And they, uh, a few months ago, came and did a piece on you. True Leave has a stake in this profitable California cannabis company generating $100 million revenue. Uh, what's, the, what's the story? What's the front story? What's the back story? <laughs> well, I think there's a couple of pieces of that. The, the first is that um, there was a, a really kind of, and there's a lots of, lots of press around this, but there, we tried for a long time to do a, um, combination with harvest. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I was, I was at harvest when, when that happened and, uh, we, we at harvest tried to acquire Falcon. Um, we, it took a really long time because we had to go through a hard Scott Redino review, which if you remember in 2018 and 2019, all the big mergers were having to go through that. Ultimately, it took about a year to do that trend, to try to do the transaction and then about a year to unwind it. But, um, it was finally, you know, very amicably, um, unwound and now harvest. And so now Trueleaf is a 9% shareholder in the company. And, uh, you know, we're, we're very, we're very glad and grateful to, to have them as a, as an investor and as a shareholder. And, uh, and so then I think the other part of that story, which is probably, um, equally, if not more interesting is the idea that, yeah, we've been doing, and I think we talked about this a little last time, We've been doing over 100 million in revenue per year for the last several years. Um, we have become a profitable company on that same revenue, and we've done that by uh, really honing in on our operations and investing in technology. Which, if you remember, that's kind of what we talked about at some length uh, last time. It was because. Uh, you know, we're not the typical cannabis company. We, if you came to visit us, which by the way, you got, as you know, a standing invitation to come visit our facilities. Uh, if you if you saw them, you would say, wow, this feels a little bit like the factory of Coke or Pepsi or yep. a, a CPG company in the way that we produce, manufacture, distribute, measure, track, and um, and and so all of our work uh, and our operations are led by one of the founders, Edlin Kim, and all the work that he and the team have done over the years have paid off. And so we've been able to develop these brands that people love and generate $100 million a year in revenue every year. And we've been able to, to along the way, become um, profitable in, in, in doing that. Yeah, and I think you hit on something again as I, I I bookmark new cannabis ventures. You know, there's about 10 sites I peek at every morning over coffee. You know what I mean? I just 
Warren Buffett can't be wrong. I, I heard that dude reads for like three or four hours in the morning. Yeah. So I, I follow his lead, but um, that's really interesting about uh, operations. Cause yeah, what you're definitely seeing, and this isn't news to you, but maybe some of the listeners is uh, the flight to profitability is mm. um, really uh you know, it's, we're talking layoffs, we're talking cost cutting, we're talking this, it's the typical Gartner hype curve, right? A couple of years ago, we're all frothy. And now, you know, we're, we're in the trough to, to come out long-term and hockey stick to the right again. But, but that's, that's interesting. You said that, cause I'm, I'm seeing that a lot. Does that make sense that we're oh, yeah. really sharpening the pencil, man? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, I have a couple thoughts on that. The first is that cannabis is a somewhat but not entirely recession and inflation-proof commodity. Yeah. Meaning, of course, we are still going to see sales, but basket sizes in California and across the country have declined a little bit as inflation has gone up. And it makes sense, right? If you're paying more for gas and rent and power, then you're, you may either look for cheaper weed or you may get one or two less products, right? Um, so I think that that's, that's real and that has forced cannabis companies to become particularly attentive to and attuned to profitability, something that was happening anyway, but it's really accelerated that focus Having said that, and I think this is the second and more important point, let's step back for a second. Cannabis has gone from zero to $50 billion in revenue over just a handful of year. And so to paraphrase Mark Twain, the, the death or the troubles of the cannabis industry are somewhat exaggerated, right? I mean, like, this is an industry, and if you're looking at the prints right now of the large public MSOs, everybody's generating way more revenue than they did last year, and everybody's generating EBITDA and really good margins. And like we just talked about a second ago, we're profitable, and we're profitable in what is generally considered the most competitive state in the country. So yeah. I think yeah. the hand-wringing and the hand-wringing about stocks and capital markets and the industry in general is overblown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, markets inefficient, which again, can be good. You can arbitrage inefficiency, right? That creates mm. the, the the exact arbitrage opportunity. So I'm cool with up and down. Um, what was it? A friend of mine, uh, bulls make money bears make money, but pigs get fat. So, you know, you, you, you just, it's, it's okay, guys. It's okay that we're going to have natural market corrections. One thought I had while you were talking was, you know, this probably is my fourth or fifth economic recession rodeo, um, if I were to count it up. And uh, what I saw as a child in the uh, Alaska oil industry in the mid 80s, um, and they finished the pipeline. Right. And so it's a natural resource economy. So they didn't need 50,000 workers anymore. Right. And so there was a post, um, you know, post construction letdown and the economy. Here's what I found is that uh, the sin taxes were almost like consumer staples. They basically stayed, they did pretty well. So we're talking liquor, mm -hmm. we're talking uh, 
uh, palm stores. Um, you know, those were, I mean, they were thriving. People are trying to sell stuff, man, to buy food or whatever. Uh, adult entertainment. Um, and you get the point. And, and I think cannabis falls to some extent into that syntax area. Now, you're right. It's, it's not uh, 100% bulletproof, but it is something that people will like. The other thing, I, I just had this conversation yesterday, was you may see a little bit of the economic concept of substitution that uh, literally had this conversation that people are like, well, you know, a, a $20 um, bag of uh, edible peanut butter cups will carry me you know, at $20 uh, up in Seattle, 24, I think. Um, well, that's going to carry me a week, and, uh, two weeks, week and a half, two weeks versus you can't even do the same with vodka, right? Alcohol can be far more expensive than weed. And it comes down to the substitution effect, depending on your relationship with alcohol and weed. If it's to relax at night, the, this individual was share, sharing that they're substituting. Have you ever had that conversation about, um, weed versus alcohol. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, 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 um, I generally agree with everything that you just said, except I'll quibble with, with one, with one piece, right. Which is, and this is a frustration. I think everybody in the cannabis industry shares. There are many people that use cannabis because it has a materially positive impact on their lives, right? They, they smoke because they are trying to, yeah, they're trying to relieve anxiety or they have seizures or, you know, you, you name it. And so I think that the notion that, and and maybe my, my beef isn't with you, it's with regulators (laughs) and tax administrators, the notion that we, we as an industry and consumers should pay a sin tax on products that are really essential for health. Really, I would say it's more of a wellness tax and it's (laughs) kind of bogus, right? And so, for example, I was gratified when recently California um, reduced some of the cultivation taxes, eliminated them uh, for cultivators. I think that was a really, I think that was a really good step. Now, on the other hand, you have uh, LA um, considering additional taxes on unincorporated counties in, for facilities in unincorporated counties. And so that's a step back, right? And so I think that what the, the, the education that, conti- that needs to continue to happen is that cannabis and alcohol and cannabis and adult entertainment and cannabis and some of the other things that you talked about are not there are similarities, but they're not equal, right? Cannabis is a substance that makes people's lives better and should be taxed and regulated accordingly. Well, and, you know, I, I, I'm getting to know you better. And unfortunately, what you're going to discover is I, I, I am a little chippy, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, try to have a, I have a fake Texas accent. So I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun. But um, hey, in any event, uh, where could people possibly see you as we head into the, the show season? Um, MJ BizCon, anything else stand out of mind where people might be able to see you live? Yeah, you know, we're we're being a little bit judicious in um, the things that we're appearing in and um, 
just just because I think that's good practice. And oh, I and, and, and also um, we're we're working on a bunch of we're working on a bunch of big stuff. And when when that happens, we may be a little more uh, we we may we may start pounding the pavement a little bit more. Right now, we're definitely going to be at MJ BizCon um, in Vegas in in the fall, and then we should be back at Benzinga in April, uh, and then and then we'll see about additional appearances. Yeah, I love Benzinga. Unfortunately, uh, I have a collision. Apparently, they have one in September in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not going to happen, but I, I sure like that spring one down in Miami. Now that yeah. one, I'll always. Yeah. And I, I will tell you that we just made the decision to uh, not do a speaking engagement at that one. But having said that, I think um, Elliot and Patrick uh, Lane do a great job and the whole Benzinga team does oh, a great yeah. job. But we're, we're definitely planning on being back in April. And so it's just, it's just a matter of picking our spots a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, we're going to get you back next quarter, if you don't mind. It's uh, hopefully good for you. It's certainly good for us. Continued success, and I'm going to keep an eye on you. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to talking again. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.